Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. First of all, I'd like to give thanks to our God and Father, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, who was crucified, who died, who was buried, and who rose again from the dead, that is, out from among the dead, for our salvation. And those who believe into the person of Jesus, uh, God will impute the righteousness of Christ and God will reckon to that individual's account the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, Not our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus himself so that we have perfect standing before God because we are in Christ. Please read Uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And uh, the letter, Paul's letter to the Ephesians uh, is his dissertation on what it means to be in Christ, that is to have that conjoint relationship with Christ. So it is very important that you and I uh, understand that we have perfect standing, not incomplete standing in Christ, but Perfect. This is the way God sees us. Our salvation is complete, and according to Romans 8, it has been completed because uh, Paul writes there that we have been glorified. So I want you to get a sense as to how God sees us. In Ephesians, Paul states that we sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, these are the nuances of the New Testament that uh, a lot of uh, podcasts do not cover. But what seems to be sensationalistic, uh, that is uh, mainly uh, verses or things from the book of Revelation uh, for their sensational value. And uh, these people are accountable to God for trifling and uh, abusing the scripture. Please read uh, the last chapter of Second Peter, and uh, he talks about that. Also, the book of Revelation talks about those, the fate, the fate of those uh, who trifle with the word of God. Uh, the study of the word is painstaking, and it is hard. It is laborious. It is intense. And uh, so when I hear a cavalier, a cavalier type attitude toward the word, uh, uh, it draws my attention because I'm looking for nuances that I know are in the uh, the Greek New Testament and that should be in the teaching. Uh, but tonight, uh, 
tonight's study is taken from Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12, which uh, this document is called an exhortation. We do not uh, know the name of the author. There are those who believe that the author is the uh, Apostle Paul. We don't know. There have been some uh, good arguments for and against uh, the that Paul wrote this document. But we have it. Uh, as part of the New Testament corpus. And so uh, there is a lot to digest in the book of Hebrews. So I'm going to uh, begin at Hebrews 12.1 because I want you to get the context of what our uh, topic is for tonight, and that is faith during the shaking of the foundations. You see, what is interesting uh, that is throughout the word of God is that men will do, and I, I mean that gender inclusive, men and women will do certain acts. And because judgment is not immediate, individuals feel that they can go on and continue on a, uh, down a certain path. And uh, God even says in the book of, of Psalms, he talks about those who thought that, uh, God said, you thought I was altogether like you because I had kept silent. But see, at a point uh, in time, God, God will begin to move. And the destiny that people have fashioned for themselves, God will bring uh, to uh, its conclusion, not to the conclusion that people wanted or believed that they would reap, but God will bring down upon those individuals uh, their unrighteousness and their sinfulness and uh, the things that their subterfuge and their lying. God will bring it back, and they will face the consequences of their actions. See, this is the part of the word that I have yet to hear. Uh, I hear people talk about judgment and the judgment day is coming, but there is a temporal judgment. Also, that Peter speaks about, uh, and uh, Peter talks about how God uh, will keep the ungodly uh, and the ruinous ones. Uh, he will keep them in judgment, that is, so that they cannot prosper from their sin. And this is a temporal judgment uh, on top of the judgment that is to come. And so... Uh, People create folly, and they reap the consequences of folly, the shaking of the foundations, when God will remove those things, those temporal things. And the only thing that will remain are the things that are eternal. And so this is what the writer of Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews writes in chapter 12. So, therefore, seeing we also are contested about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, that is the originator and the complete, the one who completes uh, our who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross. You see what Jesus looked upon? He knew that he would have to uh, experience the cross, but he looked ahead also into the joy uh, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. People do not realize what Jesus saw on that cross as he hung there with his perfect mind, his perfect awareness, his perfect conscience. Every sin, every sin, every dismal, polluted, horrible, horrific sin that has ever been done by man, every sin, every unimaginable, every hostile, every uh, unworthy sin that, that, that would be unimaginable for some to think about, Jesus saw and Jesus experienced on that cross. And so, uh, and it's, and so, despising the shame, verse 2, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the writer to the Hebrews talks about this also in Hebrews chapter 1. He talks about the finished work of Christ. You and I are the result of the finished work of Christ, the completed work of Christ. 3, verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction, that is, opposition of sinners, against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And this is what you don't want to happen in your faith. You don't want to be weary, and you don't want to faint, that is faint, and you don't want to give up. You have uh, not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. See, the, the believers in the book of Hebrews have been persecuted for their faith. And they had suffered uh, the confiscation of their uh, physical uh, possessions for their faith. But uh, they had not given uh, their lives for their faith. And so uh, this was, I'm not making light of this, but I just want you to know what's going on here. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, this is a very important part of scripture. Uh, you should read 2 Timothy 3.16 and Philemon 6.4, uh, also Proverbs 3.11. So, uh, verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth or discipline and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Uh, receive, now, the word scourge here is mastix, M-A-S-T-I-X. It means a whip. And so we're talking about God's own people, God's own children. And I know what that whip is like. I have experienced that whip. It is unforgettable. And it is meant to be. So be careful of perfect saints whose armor 
has no chinks, no dents, uh, and their armor is perfect. And they present their armor as perfect. I trust no soldier who says that he is an experienced soldier whose armor has no dents and no dirt and no dings because that tells a different story. And there's there's something not right with that picture because every son whom he receiveth, notice verse 7, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons if you endure chastening. For what son is he of whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, were of all our partakers, then ye are what? Uh, you are not, you don't belong to God, and you are, you are not son. The language is very terse. The language is very simple. Furthermore, we have had father of our flesh, which corrected, uh, corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now notice what God does. And notice why he chastens us, because he wants to separate us from sin. And so that we will know and that we are God's own. So rarely hear that story. That's the story I listen for. That's the story I want to hear. Uh, what has the Father brought you through as a son? Okay. For uh, verse 11. Now, no chasing for the present seems to be joyous. No, it's not. I'm a witness to that. But grievous, nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness and them uh, which are exercised thereby. So this word exercise, we have a perfect passive participle. It means a state of completion. The word here is from the word uh, also, uh, we have a picture of the gymnasium. So, or uh, gymnasium is a picture of discipline. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, and let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So, where is this language, where is the teaching about holiness? He says here, without which no man will see the Lord. Look diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many bitterness here. Uh, it means acridity or poison, a root of bitterness springing up trouble. And, 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 and the word here, trouble, means to crowd in or to annoy, and many be stained, uh, unforgiveness, unrighteousness, playing with sin. Verse 16, let's there be any fornicator profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that how afterward when he would have inherited the blessing he was rejected for he found no place of repentance though he sought 
they carefully with with tears. Watch out for the Christ. Hide they 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 hide sin uh, through tears. And this is the flesh, and this is a fair showing in the flesh. Paul talks about that uh, in the book of Galatians. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that and that burn with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, a tempest, and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard, entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, speaking of Mount Sinai, when uh, the Shekinah glory came down upon that mount, it was holy because of the presence of God. People had to stand away and stand back because of the presence of God, because of his holy presence. And it, uh, and it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dark. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. The year I come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. How many angels are there? The Bible states that there are that there are an innumerable company of angels. We cannot name them. There are so many. And the word of God of uh, Angeloi, the angels are always uh, in the masculine gender, uh, never with a feminine case ending. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Notice, notice the language that he uses. To the general assembly, speaking of believers, and the church of the firstborn. Who is the firstborn? Jesus. Beware of cults that say that Jesus was a firstborn. And so therefore, he is, it is not talking about his sonship or his deity. He is a son. Now, this is what they say, that Jesus is a son. The Bible never uses uh, that language about the son of God. He is the son, period. He is the son of God. Uh, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you do not belong to him. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you do not belong to him. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of of life, you do not belong to him. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, spoken about in Jeremiah 31, 31. Also, the, uh, the New Testament is what? It is the new covenant, the new agreement, the new contract that God has made with man. Rue Christ Jesus. Now, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. 
For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, remember the public ministry of Jesus, he was rejected by the nation of Israel. He was rejected by the teachers of Israel, that is the Pharisees. And he was rejected by the Pharisees. He was rejected by the Sadducees. He was rejected by the political officials, the Herodians. Much more shall we shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. You remember in the gospel when Jesus died, and we remember that the veil of the temple was was torn into, and legend had it that teams of horses, uh, this this veil was so thick could not uh, rent or tear us under this veil, but that this veil uh, was torn into at that time, and that after the resurrection of Jesus, that uh, the saints got up out of the graves and walked around Jerusalem. Look at the evidence. Look at the irrefutable evidence that God provided for the world. God shook the what? The world of the Pharisees. He shook the world of the Herodians. He shook the world of the Sadducees. Sadducees were the religious rationalists. They did not believe in resurrection. And so uh, Jesus destroyed this system. He destroyed the satanic world system by his resurrection out from among the dead. So now notice, yet, uh, verse 26, yes, one, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. You need to read the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah talks about the, the tribulation period, and, and so does uh, many of the other 8th century, 7th century, and even some of the 6th century prophets talk about the, uh, this great event. And it is Isaiah who said, who wrote that during the tribulation period that the earth is going to move to and fro like a drunken man. So severe uh, because of the severity of the judgments that God is going to bring upon the earth. Now, in the book of Revelation, we see that when Jesus opens the scroll, it is Jesus who unleashes uh, the tribulation period. It is Jesus himself who does it. Now, in Revelation 1, you see him in his high priestly garb, but then as we move to the book of Revelation, after uh, Jesus gives to John the messages to the seven churches of Asia Minor, now we move to the throne room of heaven and we move to a new scene. And then the lamb appears as one that had been slain. And then the earth is going to suffer. Note the language, the wrath of the lamb, the wrath of the lamb. Verse 27, 
And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made. Read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And so we talk about mass, we talk about energy, we talk about matter. Bible, uh, and even in Genesis 1, the Bible talks about how God created like electromagnetism. And notice, uh, God is going to remove, verse 27, the removing of those things that are shaken. And what we're going to have uh, is what? A return to the eternal state. And uh, where God reigns, uh, uh, he shall reign forever and ever. There, there will be the removal of sin. There will be the removal of Satan into the lake of fire. There will be the removal of his followers into the lake of fire with him. Those names which are not found written in the Lamb's book of life were tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone that burneth forever and ever and ever, according to the scriptures. So, uh, if, and notice he goes on, he says, signifieth the removing of the things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. No demonic force, no unclean spirit, no satanic power, not Satan himself, all will be gone. All will be judged. The devil has already been judged, according to the word. He has already been judged. Jesus uses interesting language when he talks about uh, the lake of fire, that it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Uh, And in the Bible and in the New Testament, the language is in the perfect tense. And so the devil knows his destiny. The devil knows scripture. The devil has had and has immediate access to God. He knows his destiny. His destiny is coming. Please read the book of Revelation. And particularly, take a look at Revelation chapter 12. Uh, When there was war in heaven between Michael, his angels, and the devil and his host, and how at that point the devil is going to be cast out of heaven. And then things are going to change dramatically on the earth because the devil knows that his end is very near at that point. So, wherefore, verse 28, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is consuming fire. God is holy. And he is going to judge. He is going to pronounce judgment upon sinful mankind. And I read in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2 that God created the Adam and his wife. God created man and woman. And he called them both Adam. 
And this mockery of what the people call today the sexes or the genders, this mockery, the mockery of womanhood. God said, behold, the woman shall encompass a man. And God planted the holy seed inside of Miriam. That holy seed was what? Was Jesus. And so God has blessed womankind. God has blessed mankind through the person of Jesus. The devil is attempting to make a mockery of God's creation. And it will go on for a short period of time. But to me, that these entities created for themselves, they, what, they have unleashed their destiny. And they will find that they will reap the reward for mocking the character of God. Those who have been a part of this plan uh, will find that when they stand before the judge, uh, they, they will be culpable and they, that they are culpable for sins of ignorance. They will suffer their judgment for what they have done or what how they have participated in this mockery of the divine image. God is going to shake the foundation. You and I are to have unwavering, unswerving faith during the shaking of the foundations. May you find peace, may you find joy, may you find strength in our Lord.